I am glad to track your Tepesh. And I do not get many visitors. Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Good greetings from a dark summer's day. <laughs> dark greetings, everyone. From a bright night day? I don't, hmm. This is... is, of course, our Moffrance, where we, the remaining moths of the Imperial Empire, meet to discuss what to do about the death of the Emperor. And we start with our traditional greeting, dark, dark greetings. greetings. So tell me, Moffsmith. There's like a space dwarf who is our evil cultist leader, I think. A space dwarf? Look, these books really didn't hold up to close examination. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. This is JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast for today. We are recapping and discussing not one, not two, but two episodes of Castlevania, the animated series. I do love that. Um, it was something like last week, you were like, Nick, you know, the slow burn of Castlevania, the appeal's really worn off very quickly. And I was like, no, 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 don't, don't mischaracterize my words, Nick. I very much enjoy the slow burn of the Castlevania series uh, in a in a casual watching sense, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'd be perfectly happy to to do it, do it, and watch it and talk about it at that right rate. But this being our off season, I would like to get some more variety into our lives sooner rather than later. <laughs> okay, that does also make sense. But at the time, it did feel a lot like you were like Nick. We have a lot of Castlevania to get through, uh, and it's not going to happen quickly. And I was like, that's it. I've won. We can get through <laughs> you, Castlevania faster. You incepted faster. the idea in, into my brain that the show went too <laughs> slow. He thinks he's the one who's the smart one, but Nick be smart, me. Uh, oh, that's why I've been the one who's had to edit this show all the time. You exactly. also tricked me into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know who else is smart, Liam? Who? Our Patreons. Who, by the way, we have one that I forgot to read out last time, and I am deeply apologetic for. Well, now they get double the episode for double their money. That's right, you have to double your money. That's... Hmm. Uh, and that lucky little fellow is David Andresen. Un- Andresen? And David it's, Andresen. It's not Anderson, I can tell you that, which really course, makes me confused. Um, hang on, we did David Anderson last time, didn't we? David rescinded. Rescinded, I tell you. I'm pretty sure because I made a dumb mi- Agent Smith Mr. Anderson joke. Uh, well then, I'll just cross him off the list. But if you're telling me that we got their last name wrong, clearly we have to do a whole nother riff. <sighs> Andreson, Mr. Andreson. Of course, Andre was the um, live action seal in a kid's movie that I don't remember any other details about. Uh, and this is, of course, Andre's son. And it was definitely real? Yes. Andre the Seal. Andre the Seal. See, the only cartoon character I know of with the name Andre... Not a cartoon character. Live action. Oh, well, I was going to say Andre the Giant, but... Also not a cartoon character. You're... No, he is absolutely a cartoon character. Look at him. A real man. A real man with a real... Taste for women. Hormonal disorder, I want to say. I can't remember. He was just a big dude. He was just a really big dude. Yeah, on account of all his hormones being out of whack. Yeah. What a guy. I remember there's a story about him that's like, he would walk up to you and be all like, hello there, I'm I'm Andre the Giant, hi. 
and he'd get really, like, nervous around you. And then as soon as he had to, like, be intimidating, he'd be like, oh, do I have to get in character? Like, yes, please, be in character. It's like, okay, great. And then he'd just sort of stand up a little and you'd be like, okay, bring it down a notch, bring it down. That's that's terrifying. He's like, is it too much? Is it? Okay, all right. And then he'd go... Uh... <laughs> You go have sex with women with his dick fingers. It's like, ooh. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, what a strange, wonderful man. He was particularly good at mathematics, but dropped out after the eighth grade because he didn't think high school education was necessary for a farm labourer. Hmm. And how wrong he was moving into the wrestling world. Okay, this is what I was trying to look up because I knew there was something something interesting about his upbringing. That's oh, why oh, I pulled okay. up his Wikipedia biography. Just the one thing that's interesting about his upbringing other than everything. Go on. When he lived in the French town of Ussi sur marne in the... Uh, oof, give my pronunciation on that. Wow. I'm sure that's very wrong. You could not be more fucking Australian right now. Bloody Ossi oh. sur marne Bloody fucking yeah. In the 1950s, the Irish playwright and Nobel Prize laureate in literature Sam Samuel Beckett was one of several adults who sometimes drove local children to the school, including Andre and his siblings. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Was that the whole fact? Samuel Beckett. Who's Sam Beckett? Nobel Prize winner and playwright. Sam Beckett. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, oh, wait, hang on. No, I do have something. Sam Beckett. Dr. Sam Beckett. Um, Samuel. Is a... Sorry. Dr. Samuel Beckett, nicknamed Sam, um, is the protagonist on sci-fi television series Quantum Leap, oh, fuck played you. by Scott Bakula. When will my next leap be the leap that takes me to a better podcast? <laughs> Andre the Giant once consumed um, 350, no, 119 350 milliliter beers in six hours. Wow. God damn. He truly was a giant of a man. 119. Wow. Was he sober after that or was he dead? He was alive, but I doubt he was sober. <laughs> Just imagine being able to pound down 119 beers and then afterwards go, I think I'm done now. Like, conscious at that point. Within six hours. Within six hours. What the fuck? What a madman. <laughs> The author of The Princess Bride wrote in his um, non-fiction work, Which Lie Did I Tell, that Andre was one of the gentlest and most generous people he ever knew. Whenever he ate in with someone in a restaurant, he would pay, but he would also insist on paying when he was a guest. On one occasion, he was dining with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Wilt Chamberlain. Schwarzenegger quietly moved to the cashier to pay before Andre could, but then found himself being physically lifted, carried from his table and deposited on top of his car by Rusimov and Chamberlain. Rusimov being Andre. Ah, his name was Rusimov, eh? Yeah. I just realised I haven't plugged in my headphones. <laughs> Fucking whoops. And what does that mean for our, for our audio quality, Nick? What that means is nothing. Does that mean that I'm going to have to edit out my own voice out of your audio for the first 10 minutes of this podcast? No, you, you're basically not showing up at all, so... Okay, should be I'll fine. make it work. Yeah, you'll, you'll make it work. If it shows up, tell them JoJo's World sent you to me. Tell them JoJo's World sent you to hell. I've made a huge mistake, maybe. Well, I mean, if our fans are anything like I think they are, they'll immediately come onto Twitter and be all like, Nick, good work for getting your headphones. And I'll be like, thanks. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> it's Nick, Castlevania Season 2, Episode 2. Yes. So the first of the two oh, episodes. And in conclusion, thank you, David Andresen. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, you impeccable giant. 
if I did forget you. Otherwise... A giant of generosity, not unlike a certain giant named Andre, who would often pay for dinner. Don't you all wish you had a giant in your life named Andre who would pay for your dinner? I know I do, as I could really use some food right now. Season 2, Episode 2, Old Homes. It's June. The world just kind of sucks right now. Dracula is sitting in his fucking throne. I'm going to do a thing with these apps, Nick, where I read the um, the IMDb two-sentence synopsis oh, yes, just yes. to break them up. So um, for this one, Trevor, Cypher and Alucard take a dangerous path in their desperate attempt to defeat Dracula. Don't know if that was really in the episode. No, uh, really. The last vampire general, Carmilla, arrives at the castle. Now that happened. Ooh, that that happened more than anything. Now that was like the main thing. Why wasn't that the first sentence? My God. <laughs> it's almost like the protagonists of this show aren't the main character. They are some of the main characters. Yeah, but let's be real. Most of this season is just, yeah, Trevor and others are doing stuff. But really, Dracula's getting real depressed over here. And I'd argue it's better for it. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. The bits with the main characters suck. Smash cut to the speaker house from season one. And we see... Trevor and Cypher approaching, much like how in the last episode we saw them looming over Alucard. Now we see it all from their perspective. Oh, I get it. Because that's what they would do. That's the shadow. Liam, it all makes sense. It's like puzzles. Puzzle pieces coming, falling Uh. like shadows into interweaving other pieces of shadow, you know? I know. So... (laughs) They're still bickering about how Trevor has no emotional intelligence. And then Alucard's like, Cypher, I'm sorry, you must be so sad to see your family going. And she's like, see? (laughs) See? See? I have emotions. That's all. Tell us about Dracula's castle, Alucard. (laughs) Well, it moves. It's big. As if by magic. Uh, it's really, really cool as well. You guys wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. That's how cool it is. Uh, and it's really fun. I'm drawing away. a mental through line from Dracula's Castlevania castle to um, the wonka Vator. Uh, do you mean the elevator that doesn't just go up and down, but also left and right? And through the sky, as we saw at the end of the movie. Anywhere you want it to go, it can go? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And really, um, compared to 1700s Wallachia, um, Dracula's castle kind of is a world of pure imagination. (laughs) Come with me. And Carmilla comes in like, I want a golden goose. Godbrand's there, it's just like... Hi, I'd like to eat the chocolate. So Godbrand would probably be... The fat chubby one uh, from yeah, Switzerland. Um, either Augustus Gloop or I might even say Violet Beauregard, who chewed no, gum no. and then turned into a big blueberry. No, that's Carmilla. Carmilla's Violet. No, no, Carmilla is undisputably Veruca Salt. Which one's Veruca Salt? She sings the song about how she wants the world, she wants the whole world. Oh, I thought that was Violet. No, that's Veruca. Oh. And then she's all like, I want it now. I want it all. And then she gets sucked into a tube, I think. Down to an incinerator, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Shame. Uh, Mike TV. Hard to map. Hard to map. I'm going to say... Isaac? Hang on. Which one's Mike TV? He's the kid who likes TV. (laughs) Oh. Ooh, that is hard. It can't be Isaac, because Isaac wants a world full of love. Yeah, he wants a pure world, which TV offers. Yeah, okay. Well, Hector has to be Charlie, obviously. Clearly. He's the only redeeming part of this entire escapade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's ah, got okay. the hand. I, I don't want to keep this, this riff going for too long, but I do want to figure out who Grandpa Joe is. I mean, Grandpa Joe, obviously Dracula. Yeah, Dracula kind of has to fill the dual roles of Grandpa Joe and, and Wonka. Wonka. 
Because Hector's looking at big old Dracula as some kind of like role model, big daddy mm. figure. He's all like, he's the guy I always wanted around. And similarly, Carmilla is at once um, uh, Veruca Salt, but also Slugworth. Who the fuck is Slugworth? The rival candy manufacturer who offers kids um, all their dreams if they bring him an everlasting gobstopper. Oh, that's right. But he's... But he doesn't... But he's... What? Huh? No, but that doesn't make any sense, Lynn, because the end of the movie, they'll have to watch it and find out. I was hoping you would forget that. I mean, and of course, all the night creatures are Oompa Loompas. We got oh, there. Of course, of course. So really, what we're actually riffing is Willy Wonka. Wait, yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> you is got it? there. <laughs> Hang on, wait. Is it? Is it actually? I've forgotten that. Well, okay. The original story is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The Gene Wilder movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and then the bad Johnny Depp movie is again Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, cool. So Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Is the one we're talking about here. Yes. Right. All good. All good. Do you have any other Roll Dahl related questions? Uh, why did he? Um, anti-Semitism, generally being unpleasant. Ah, classic. And now he's a beloved childhood author. What a guy. Trevor's like, I want to go home. And they're all like, Trevor, stop being a shit. And he's like, no, I expressed that poorly, but I actually want to go back to the Belmont family estate and get all of our vampire killing secrets. Oh, well, that's far more reasonable. Let us go do that. So, uh... I thought they burnt it down. Yeah, but they never found our secret archive. <gasps> secret archive? It's hidden wisdom hidden in the wisdom. secret archive. Oh, my. It sounds like a, um, like some kind of power metal song. These two episodes had big hidden wisdom vibes for what oh it's worth. Oh, my God, did they fucking ever. Some with Dracula's little fiends, others with fucking Belmonts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cypher's like, all right, I'm going to go um, go get a wagon. You guys try not to kill each other. And I like how they're like, please, we're not children. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, you go eat shit and die. <laughs> you know, they know what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. I like, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of fast frenemies. Yeah. They're like, look, we've both got a common enemy and it's your dad. Yes, thank you for reminding me he's my dad. Yes, thank you. Thank you. There's something that happens a couple of times over these episodes where um, Trevor keeps saying to Alucard, your dad's fucking Dracula. And I really feel like emphasis is important when you're saying that. Your dad is fucking Dracula. Ooh. Well, your dad is fucking Dracula. Oh, oh, this is not what I took from it. Okay, yep. Let's eat, grandma. <laughs> Let's eat, grandma. Oh, damn it. I get it wrong every time, Liam every time. Meanwhile, at Dracula's court, all of the vampire generals who never speak are silently raising the ire of Hector and Isaac. Um, so I think they were meant to be shouting much louder than they sound like they're shouting. Uh, and so Hector and Isaac are just like, no, you will not do this against Dracula's will, all right? I have said we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then there's slow... Yeah, yeah, and Dracula is there. He's like quietly going, enough, enough. And just as he's about to get real loud and dracky, the big doors open and backlit there is a is a feminine figure <gasps> full of confidence and swagger. Um, quick moment to highlight Dracula's ridiculous throne. <laughs> It is a little tall, but then it's again... It's so tall. But then again, it's, come on, like, Dracula's a tall guy. Yeah, but it, it's like two stories tall. Dracula's a tall man. He's and got like, to have I a I understand tall you want a big imposing chair in your big imposing throne room, but the interesting bit to me is that the padded part goes up about three quarters <laughs> of it. I mean, again, tall guy, you know? How tall does he really go? We don't know. We only ever see him slouched over. 
What if it's true? You have yeah. What if he it's gets pretty tall um, when he's yelling at Godbrand later? Yeah, but he's still slouched. That's the impressive part. So Carmilla comes in. And she's like, "What up, guys? I'm Carmilla. I got them feminine wiles. I got those good ideas, and I got those big plans." I'm here from Styria. Uh, Dracula's all like, what the fuck took you so long? Yeah, you were summoned days ago, Carmilla. And she's all like... Days ago. She's all like, in front of everyone, Hey, why didn't you turn your wife, BT dubs? Yeah, what's up with that? Do we, By the way... Are you too scared um, or some shit? Yeah, she's some sort of weird pet of yours, and we're here to just like... Fix that. Get revenge for your pet. What's up with that? Dracula's all like... Oh, you fucking done it now. Um, basically Dracula's like, hey, private word, my office. Um, but I love the, um, the design of Carmilla's, like, vampire dress in this, this show. Like how it starts, like, pure black and then gradually fades down to, like, a pool of red blood dress at her feet. I'm gonna be honest, I have very mixed feelings about this dress. Because half the time I go, that's fucking rad. That's awesome. That is a cool looking dress. And then the other half of the time, I'm just there going... That is the dumbest shit I've ever... Who would wear a <laughs> gradient dress? Like, no offence, Carmel, you're pulling it off damn well, but why is that your dress of choice? Like, why? It's important for her brand, you know, blood. Okay, oh, so... Um, she's a vampire. Don't want to overlook it, but there was a bit where Dracula's eye got so angry that his eyes filled up with red blood. But um, let's talk about Carmilla for a sec. So I think I cut most of our previous discussion of the fictional character of Carmilla from a previous episode just because we were running a bit long and mm-hmm. I was a bit rambly. Um, but uh, Carmilla is another um, fictional uh, famous vampire. gothic fiction vampire. Yeah, yeah. She's she's very famous as like the manipulative kind of underhanded lady vampire. Yeah. So her whole thing in her story was that she would um like bathe in the blood of virgins or whatever to get eternal youth. Oh, classic, beautiful, beautiful play on her behalf. So that story, um, the titular Carmilla, actually predates Dracula by um twenty six years. Twenty six years. Yeah. Who was it written by? Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. Okay, I, I don't know what I expected. Okay, cool. So it was written 26 years before Dracula, but was she, did she display Dracula-esque traits? Let's see. The story is narrated by a young woman preyed upon by a female vampire named Carmilla, later revealed to be Makala, Countess Karnstein. Ah. Which are anagrams. Makilla? Hang on. M-I-C-A-L-L-A and... Carmilla. Ah, Michaela. The character is a prototypical example of the lesbian vampire, expressing romantic desires towards the protagonist and is depicted as a trait of antagonism in line with contemporary views of homosexuality. Mm, mm. So, oddly, she's actually quite a progressive figure in today's modern <laughs> standards. Retroactively, yeah. Yeah, how interesting. Well, we see we see later that she's got her own twisted, twisted feminist backstory where she... She was under the thumb of a cruel old man and then she, she struck out and did it for herself. I love the idea that it's like, we're just sitting here like she has a twisted backstory. Yeah, she wanted to not be held over by some random old dude. How dare they? How sickening. <laughs> everyone everyone knows oh. we're being tongue-in-cheek, of I course, hope. Of course. And if they don't, then fuck that. <laughs> um, so Camilla, as depicted in Castlevania games, is a recurring boss. Uh, I've got her Castlevania... Actually, no, my mistake. This is the villains wiki page up for her. (laughs) 
Okay. Yep. Uh, which which has one of those um like summary summary tables at the top, and there's a few few gems in there that I wanted to wanted to share. Okay. Occupation: Vampire lady and high-ranking follower of Dracula. Powers and skills include immense dark powers and vampire abilities, ability to create create demonic skulls and masks, and knowledge of dark rituals. Mum, when I Hobby. when I grow up. I want to be a vampire lady with knowledge of dark rituals. Yeah. <laughs> hobby. Bathing in blood. Is that literally her hobby? That's her hobby. Wow. Goals. To serve Dracula forever and rule by his side. <laughs> that is not... Okay, go on. Yep. I think that's quite distinct from her depiction in the show, yeah, isn't it? Very much she's so. vampire Cersei Lannister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But has she ever had leanings towards serving Dracula in other media? I think she's been pretty loyal in the games. Hmm. Okay. All right. I haven't been a big Castlevania game player outside of the big name ones, though, so I could have could be overlooking something. Yeah. And finally, crimes. Mass murder and blood draining, staging witch trials to get rid of opposition, and sacrificing people to Dracula... And possessing people. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not of course, possession is nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> Excuse me, I possess this boy. Yeah, that's why you're under arrest. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to see the statute about possession, please. Well, it's pretty simple. You can't go around possessing people. So let's see. She's in Castlevania Judgment. Uh, she's in uh, Castlevania Dracula's Curse, the uh, game that this is based on. Ah, and she's in Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which is the um the one that was a precursor to Symphony of the Night. I see, I see. Circle of the Moon. Um. Oh, okay. So she is the um she's the lead antagonist in Circle of the Moon, where she's the one. You know, they always have these games like these B story games where someone's trying to resurrect Dracula. Yeah. And she's the one doing that in that. Oh, that's fun. That's pretty loyal to Dracula then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll believe that. Nice. Good work, Camilla. You have become an iconic figure. <laughs> Just gonna. Oh, okay. So she has a lot of mask motifs in her abilities, apparently, and that is a reference to um, the mask that she wears in the original novel to take advantage of the anonymity of a masquerade ball and find victims. Oh, so no one knows um, bloodletting yeah. each other. As we saw in uh, Phantom of the Opera, a mask can be a powerful <laughs> thing to hide your face. <laughs> Uh, yes. Don't think Camilla has to worry quite as much as the Phantom of the Opera does about hiding his face, though. But there's a famous masquerade scene in that. Is there? Yeah. Oh. It's the first song of the second act. Oh. I haven't actually seen Phantom of the Opera, would you believe? Oh, you missed your chance. It was streaming the other weekend. God damn it! Okay, well... And then the terrible sequel, Love, Love Never Dies, was streaming the weekend after. Love Never and, uh, Dies. What If anyone fuck? wants to hear me talk more about that, I recommend tuning into the next episode of Mystery Twins Detective Agency, because <laughs> I'm sure we're going to discuss it at length. <laughs> Just going to be like, let's talk about how love never dies. No, let's talk about the literal love never dies. Because vampires. Oh, man. Amazing. So that's Carmilla in a nutshell. She is stone cold bitch, but also... Not the worst role model these sober. days. Yeah. She, uh... So they're in Dracula's study. It's another another Dracula sitting in his chair before his big fireplace. Who who keeps that fireplace roaring, I wonder? I want to say it's fueled by Dracula's slow-burning anger. Oh, Dracula has linked the first flame exactly. and the flame is forever bound to his life force. Exactly. He's just there going, I'm so fucking done with not fire. Keep it going. So he's there, he's tired, and he's like, 
kind of rude of you to just try to upstage me in my own throne room just now when she's like, oh, I just wanted to make a big show in front of a room full of horrible men. What? Okay. Hey, speaking of, why are you late? Oh, I had to had to tidy things up in my own region. I'm a mere regional ruler, you know. Um, she's, she's playing very innocent in this scene and we're starting to see over these two episodes that she is like a very... Um, cunning manipulator type. Mm. She's very much moving the pieces in her favour. And in, yeah, in this scene, she's very much playing like, uh, for lack of a better word, like, don't ask me, I'm just a girl. Where she's just pretending to be like, oh, Dracula, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just a loyal follower and I want to, I want to do what must be done for the cause. But, but, oh. Woe is me, I have such girlish tendencies. Yeah. That's pretty much it. We learn that Godbrand's been sending her messages and he's like, I don't care for that. Uh, Dracula literally just goes, why has Godbrand been in constant communication with you? And she goes, oh, probably wants to sleep with me. <laughs> and she says, uh, oh, I'd only do that if uh, basically everyone else on the earth died. <laughs> and the animals. Yeah, it's a good mm -hmm. bit. It's a good bit. So Dracula's like, don't upstage me again. Don't ask about my dead wife. And uh, Camilla's all like, radio. Off. Get back to the war effort. I'm going to sit here in my study. Off to undercut your efforts. She's He's just so tired. He's just done with her. That's it. She's all like, okay, I'm going to go ruin everything now. And goes to chat <laughs> with... Is this, is this when she chats with old Hector boy? No, no, now we cut to the protagonists. Oh... Why do camping we have to know about the protagonists in their own show? Alucard basically tells them about his mum, you know? Ah, yes. And she's wonderful. She's amazing. She had such audacity to try to make Dracula a better person. And we all loved her for it. He probably could have changed the world. Yeah, skilled doctor. Writes big books. Wants to blot out the sun like Mr. Burns in season six of The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, and it basically goes from, you know... I can't believe baby Alucard shot Dracula. <laughs> It, it just basically went from, yeah, we'll be able to, like, redeem my dad to, yeah, look, he's he's pretty fucking far gone at this point. Yeah, he's crazy. He did it all for love. And also, look how monsters are over there. It was, uh, yeah, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. Yeah. Just because of, like, the so, slow build up to... It's a no just a nice quiet chat. Yeah. And it's like, it starts off so, like, normal where it's like, you know... My dad, he could have been, you know, pretty good. He could have done great things. He could have been fine, you know? And then it slowly devolves into, we're all going to die. We're all going and it's all to stuff, burn. It's, it's all stuff we all basically know, but it gives us sort of a new perspective on it from Alucard and mm. gives us insight into his character. And how he just hates the fact that his dad is this way when his mum was so clearly like, don't do this. That's not a good thing to do. So there are these creatures nearby. It's a hunting party going to the ne a nearby city. Or is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, all right. There are some. There are a cut. There are a couple of generic creatures here, but there are also a couple of um Absolute, of gameplay ones. Absolutely. So time for me to stand out one. Crack out the family bestiary. So ah, um, the the MVP of this battle <laughs> is um, Slogra, who is like a. Um, oh yes! What a name! Is that like? <laughs> is he a boss or is he like a normal enemy type? I'm pretty sure he's a normal enemy type. A he's a he's a um like bird man sort of thing, like a big like he's bird sort of, of prey's head and neck on a human humanish body. Well, you know how the 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 gargoyles from earlier, all the gargoyles we've been seeing have that like really slender, tight, muscular frame, just like yeah. really nice and sleek, beautifully it's like sculpted. You slapped a goose head on top of yeah. the, one of those. And uh, with that, he also has a spear. 
Yeah, he's a master spear combatant and he has fire projections. What a guy. What a fucking guy. Apparent, apparently, unlike most Castlevania monsters, this is an original for the ser- to the series, according to Castlevania Wiki. Huh. So it's not based off anything. It's just they made it for the game. Yeah. Nice. They are the loyal servants of death. Oh, who is himself a loyal servant of Dracula. But aren't we all, really? <laughs> like, when you boil it down, we all gotta die. Everyone dies. Oh, I'm, I'm mistaken, Nick. In Super, Castle, Super Castlevania 4, um, Slogra is one of the three final bosses before fighting Dracula. See, they knew. They knew they... what a good design it was, and they were like, <laughs> make him a boss. He deserves it. Yep. Sorry, Slogra, you just got promoted. I just love, as soon as we saw him in the show, we were like, this fucking guy. Holy shit. <laughs> so I've got a few, um, got a few um, Pokedex-style descriptions of these here. Mm-hmm. Um, a fiend that serves the Grim Reaper. It fights on the ground with a spear. And a demonic, demonic knight who serves death. It fights on the ground with a spear. <laughs> okay, so what I'm getting from this is he fights on the, the... Hang on, wait, but he's got a bird head. That doesn't make any sense. He has to fly. A direct subordinate of death. His multiple lance strikes are especially strong against airborne foes. Wait, does he attack from the air? No, he's effective against the air, but he <gasps> fights from the ground oh. with a spear. <laughs> I just love the idea that's like every single game they have to hammer home. Guys, we get it. He has a bird head, but he fights from the ground <laughs> with a spear. Like, yeah, but he, he clearly must fly, right? So he doesn't have any wings. He fights from the ground with a spear. Yeah, but Todd, look. I'm just saying, what what if he were to fly? It's like, no, no, stop. This enemy is originally called Berrigan in Japan. Probably a reference to the pacifist Daniel Berrigan, but why a demon was named after a pacifist is a mystery. <laughs> well, obviously because he fights from the ground. With a spear. Indeed. Uh, and the other monster that we encounter is Gabon. Ah, uh, Gabon. 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 Also known as Hippogriff. Hippogriff. Which is like a big sort of bat demon thing. It's a very generic looking demon, to be honest. It's, well, I mean, it's got like a massive body. Like a huge yeah. bot, Like massive, huge gut or chest, I guess. One of the two. From which it belches fire. Oh, interesting. So these two are sort of, uh, are vaguely sort of paired in the games because um, in Super Castlevania 4, again, he's a direct servant of death and um, one of those four final bosses before oh. Dracula. Okay. Usually fighting alongside Slogra or appearing in a room near him. Huh. So in the games, they're sort of near each other at all times. Yeah, that's, that's a nice touch. I like that. They're like best friends. A fiend that serves the Grim Reaper. It can spit fire while flying. Oh, okay. So one of them fights from the ground with the spear and the other can spit fire while flying. That's... Wait, are you talking about the one that was flying or are you talking about the one that was big? That in the show... The one that was big. Okay, the one in the show clearly did not fly. He... It did. It had wings. Did. What? <laughs> it just did. What? No, I thought we were talking about the big one. Yeah. Yeah, the big one that was on the ground that spewed out fire. Yep, had wings. It had wings? Yep, got a picture of it here. Why would it ever decide, oh, I'm going to, like, attack from the ground? When you have a guy right next to you over there who's already doing that. Well, Nick, what if it was in an argument with the Slogra and uh, it knew that the Slogra had an advantage over aerial foes and it didn't want to get betrayed at a crucial moment? To be fair, it was unexpected how much the Slogra was in the air in the show. Yes, it did a lot of, like, ninja kicks and flips. So it basically, the way it goes down is the Slogra and the gay, the Gaibon? Gaibon. Gaibon. The Gaibon show up and then immediately a gargoyle lifts the Slogra off the ground and sends him flying forward. 
ironically mm-hmm. not attacking from the ground. No, not playing to its strengths there. It's tactical error on Slogra's part. And who would have seen it coming? Slogra is defeated. And then Big Boy... <laughs> so Alucard is doing, like, anime shadow steps and he um, lights his sword on blue fire and uh, sticks it through a guy. But then they're coming through the sky and then, oh no, Alucard's in trouble. But then Trevor Belmont is in a tree somehow and he whips one of them. He knows. He knows how to deal with these guys. Whips and them. he jumps out of the tree, grabs the sword that the wounded slogger is reaching for and stabs him. And he's like, we did it. But then, oh no, big fireballs are coming their way. Uh, excuse me, Liam. I think you mean the spear that Slogger is reaching for. Okay. If there's one thing I've learned about Slogger, it's that he would never use a sword. Oh, okay, because he fights from the ground. With, with a spear. spear. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should have a Twitter poll. What weapon would you fight with and from what position? It's just... <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it's just every single option is just... <laughs> Oh, that'd be so good. Anyway, yes, continue, please. Uh, they do big fireball dodgies from the Guybon's fireballs and then they're going to get hit, but then our oh, Scyther's there just doing magic, catches all the fireballs, throws them back at it and then it's going to attack her and she like she like puts a flame in her hand and then like puts pressure on the flame and we see that when the Guybon is like going to shoot fire, its body glows with like inner, inner flames and she's basically just like stoking those flames and she explodes it from the inside out because she is the strongest pe- person there ever was. Mm. It's a little OP. Not gonna lie, yeah. magic is a little OP. But you know, good animation. If we could just ner- if we could just nerf Cipher a bit for party balance, that would make <laughs> us all feel a bit more value. Mm. It's like Trevor is like definitely clearly not as good as Alucard because Alucard can fucking teleport. I mean, they they were on equal enough footing when they fought in that's, the last season. That's true. That's true. But what Trevor what Trevor lacks in um in like the raw power of the other two he makes up for in like pluck and the ability to move a whip with his mind. Mm, good gusto, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um yeah, so they make short work of them and then they're all like we're not going to make it to Argus tonight. And then Well, actually, I I would I would forgive you for mis mischaracterizing what they would say in it because it was a bit ambiguous. But what we figure out later is that he was talking about that hunting party that was going there and they stopped it. Ah, I see. I see. I was thinking when we were watching it, so they just left Greshit. Um hmm. so is everyone in Greshit gonna die tonight? Uh maybe. Potentially. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Isaac is like flaying his back flagellating his back with like a um a spiked thong yeah like a, a little whip yeah a yeah and it's whip. got nails in it yeah. and he's bleeding from the back and he's having a flashback until it cut into sound i thought they were doing an interesting thing where where last time um hector's flashback was purely auditory and this time isaac's was purely visual but then they mm. they brought it back around yeah so isaac is basically getting whipped when he's a kid he's getting whipped by a priest of some kind or something. He's a man in like sort of like crusader Templar yeah. clothing. Because obviously some uh, Isaac thing. is yeah. African or Middle Eastern. So mm. he was probably a victim of the Crusades. Mm, indeed. Uh, and he's getting whipped. And this guy is like, why did you touch my fucking books? You were meant to just stay quiet and do your fucking job. And he's like really getting into it. I just wanted way. to help you. I wanted to read your books to help you better. You just why would you do that? Don't, don't, don't laugh at what I'm about to say. But I love you, master. Oh, 
Well, gonna whip you super hard now. This is why I have to do this, because you love me and I love you, and this is how I teach you. And love you. is dead. Never say the word love again. And then Hector is like, oh, this sucks. And what, you mean leaps Isaac? into the air, uh, wraps his legs around the guy's shoulders, and then plunges his thumbs into his eye sockets. I don't know how he kills him from that, but he really dug deep. That would kill you. That would not kill you. I mean, that'd put you into shock. I mean, it would certainly be very painful. And, you know, it's a, it's a short hop from the eyes to the brain, right? You'd probably be a bit uh, blindsided, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I reckon you could die of shock from eye trauma. I'm going to Google this. God, I'm glad I don't have to Google that. Can I die from shock due to eye gouge? If I stick my fingers through somebody's eyes... Oh, I really don't need this. ...and then wiggle them around to kind of mush up their brain... Do we need a content warning on this episode? Well, short answer, no. Check out Grey's Anatomy to see how the structure of the skull is designed. Yeah. The uh, medical textbook, I assume, not the soap opera. Uh, correct. But either way, <laughs> I'm sure they have an episode about it. Uh, they basically say that the technique is called the Great Equalizer, but it would not kill someone. It's just... It, okay. it would probably well, be that the, name was really equalized. Yeah, it would probably be a bit fucking painful, but that's yeah, just just a tad. So Godbrand wanders in and he's like, "Hey, it's me. I'm here to do the thing where I talk to you and annoy you, like I do with everyone in this show." Uh, and Dracula's all like, "No, no, not Dracula. Heck, Isaac, Isaac. That's the one. That's his name." And Isaac's all like, "Okay, love is dead." <laughs> love is dead. Everything is shit. What do you want? Oh, this creature died. Uh. All its party was killed and it came back and died like 20 feet from our from our door. So do some devil forge mastering and figure out what's going on there. Isaac does a little speech about how love is dead and he has to do this in order to make a pure world of love mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, happiness without humans. And then they're, all, then they're all in the throne room again and Carmilla starts advancing her strategy that she's weirdly keen on that they should go and attack Brayla instead of... Um... Argish. Ar yeah. yeah. And uh, she even has a moment where you start seeing her conniving nature where oh. Dracula comes in and is like, that is enough, all of you. And then Camilla leans into Hector and is like, but is it enough, Hector? Do you think that is enough? Is it enough, Hector? A brief discussion of whether running water will kill vampires. Godbrand's like, I feel like I wouldn't know if it would kill me. And everyone's like, you're an idiot, Godbrand. You've had a bath. Yeah, I've had a bath, but the water's not moving if it's in a, a brief bath. brief sub-debate about whether baths are running water. <laughs> Which is great, but uh, it's just a bit like, okay, we're just having this chat now, all right. <laughs> yep, I guess we're just doing this. <laughs> It'd be great if this whole show was just them arguing in this throne room while the war went on unseen. Deleted scenes. Every argument made by the vampires. So are you telling me that the crosses do work or don't work? Bro, don't ask fucking me. I'm a Viking, all right? We don't even have crosses. Yes, you do, Godbrand. What are you talking about? Just for like half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so with some slight goading from Carmilla, Hector is like, um, like I see the I see the appeal of taking um, Brayla because it's the major river port city, and if we take that, we can see all the humans in. Um, but Hector thinks that Argish uh, is like a big a city of big stature, and it would strike fear into their heart. And Hector is like, but that's just unnecessary suffering. Ah. Oh. 
I get it, because Hector doesn't like suffering. Uh. And then Isaac's like, oh, we're pretty sure it was Alucard and a Belmont who killed the creatures. Whoops. Well, this changes everything, and or nothing. We actually... I don't think we see the uh, the consequence of them saying that. Oh, Camilla just yells at Godbrand for a while. Ah, okay, great. <laughs> and that's the end of that episode. And then we move on to episode three. Shadow Battles. <laughs> You were so keen on this title. It's a funny name. It's like, uh, I want to play a shadow game, Trevor. Oh, do you just? Well, pull out your shadow balls. Deck. <laughs> pull out your, your shadow balls. Pull out your shadow balls for a quick game of shadows. Camilla plays political games with dark intent. Trevor and his comrades sack his childhood home for secrets. Wouldn't really describe that as what they're doing. I feel like the IMDB things are made way more interesting than the actual episodes are. (laughs) I don't know if it's clickbait or something, but it's like, yeah. They just calmly go into his home, not really sack. I think they're quite respectful, all things told. Mm, But to be fair, maybe we don't know how disrespectful they're being and or... We probably haven't sacked anything in our lives, so we don't know the... That's uh, true, that's true. So this one opens with a quick flashback of young Hector reviving another dog... Uh, the uh, the way it works is like he has these two coins. It's yeah. I wonder if that's like iron as reagents or something. Mm, and he does like a little a little flick, so it's like flint and steel kind of with the two coins, mm. and it's just like ching ching, and then it's like you get a little. I really like that sound. Oh yeah, it's good. Uh, there's like this weird massive blue cloud that then goes into the dog, and then suddenly the dog's alive again. But it's got the blue eyes of a white walker. <laughs> it's got the half of its flesh rendered off from being dead and, and then Carmilla's there and is like hey Hector he had to mess with you for a bit thanks for making night creatures for us uh you're such a talented smith oh you could never do what we could never do what you could do oh no I'm just a man you know you've never needed forge masters before and that's why you haven't had any anyone could do it if they were a skilled enough necromancer l- like me hey Hector what's your backstory by the way Oh, I was, uh, I, I met Dracula when he was wandering the world and then he came back and asked me to help kill them all after he killed everyone. We get a brief flashback. Dracula emerges to a door. It's like a shed. It's a really big fucking shed. It's more like a barn. It's a bit of a barn. It's like a big barn. It's, like, it's a pretty big barn. I would describe it barn. as a house. I don't know if it's a house. I'm looking at it now. It's pretty housey. Got a chimney. <laughs> okay, that's a house. If it has a chimney, it's a house. <laughs> um, so... Dracula like walks up to this house. It's been raining. He's all wet and soggy. He walks in and it's there's just, an undead cat in there. Uh, there's some candles. Uh, Hector is just hanging out on his um, his satanic altar, about to revive a fox. And he's like, Dracula, is that you? Dracula emerges, nine feet tall. Dracula's like, the humans killed my wife. You want to help me kill them all? And he's all like, I mean, I don't want to kill all the humans, but if we can, you know. Neutralize them and keep them for you to feed on. That would be fine with me. Just, I don't want to have them unnecessarily suffer. I just want them to be mercifully controlled. controlled. Yeah. And Dracula, Dracula does a very, um, very, very clever half truth where he says, um, he's like, I can promise a merciful end to the human plague, Hector. Now, I don't know how Hector interpreted that, but I interpreted that as they're all gonna fucking die. Totally, totally. And then they shake hands and um, Hector's hand is covered in blood and Dracula's is a big vampire hand. It would have been great if Dracula was like, ugh, wash your hands, Hector. Have some fucking decorum. Good lord. Don't you know we're in a fucking pandemic? <laughs> the Black Plague is transferred through blood, Hector. Do you know nothing about this? 
Oh, because you spend all your time with animals. And then back in the forge room, um, first expressions of doubt that maybe Dracula isn't doing quite so well at the moment by Hector. Mm. Uh, and we also get a, a very crucial shot of the um, corpse of the Bishop of Greget, which will play a, an important role later in the season. Ooh. Um, so little old Camilla is like, oh, Hector, you seem very talented at what you do. Hey, by the way, and gets real up close to him. How about... Help me, um, advance my end, So please. I think she says something like, you should make, uh, one of these guys... Like, these guys have complete loyalty to the Forge Master, which would be you, Hector, right? Yeah. Well, maybe you should, uh, make one... And then send him on his way down to where was it? Was it Argish? So or... she's got two. She she she's got two two goals here. Mm-hmm. She wants to go check out the um the Belmont Fort with um or the ruins of the Belmont Manor, yep. like she wanted last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, Dracula doesn't need to know. And Hector is like, Okay, I'll do it, but I'll tell Dracula. <laughs> uh, and the other thing she wants is to help convince him to attack Brayla. Advancing that strategy again. Mm. And Hector's basically like, I'll do it, but Dracula will sign off on the dispensation of troops. And I was like, oh, it's an awfully large word. Okay, here we go. Oh, such courtly drama occurring here. What could the protagonists be up to? Why, Trevor's talking about a tree. (laughs) (laughs) So they pass by this tree. It's a pretty big tree. Like, I'm not going to lie. We were both like, that's a pretty good tree. Okay. As far as trees go, that's a pretty impressive dead tree. It's looking a bit old. It's looking a bit worn down. But overall... And we learn that was Trevor's childhood tree where he would play. Cypher's all like, I can't imagine you playing at all. And And he's like, oh, such a tree was my fort, my boat, my home. Good night, tree. And then we're at the Belmont Manor. Yeah, and it's basically a big Dark Souls level of a ruin. Uh, Everything's been burnt to the ground. There's nothing left. Uh, They're all surprised that it happened when he was like 12 or 13 and Alucard's all, oh, I had a friggin' better childhood than you did. Who would have guessed? And Trevor, in classic Trevor fashion, is like, yeah, and your dad's fucking Dracula. Yeah, my dad's fucking Dracula? Yeah, your dad is... Oh, well, it's all about the emphasis. Um, Trevor finds a big stone plate under some rubble and he's like, help me move it. And he's like really struggling to move a rock. And then Alucard walks over and just starts tossing them all aside and everyone's very impressed. We get it, Alucard. You're super strong and handsome and fast. You don't need to show off. But he does. He so does. But he can't even lift this rock. <laughs> but could you imagine if, like, you had um, you had Alucard just sitting there being all like, hey, I could help, but I won't. It's like, no, he needs to show off that at any opportunity. Toil away for me, mortal. That's when I sit back and suck. It's just like, oh, uh, Nah, this will be a piece of cake for me. It's like, well, do you want to help? Oh, absolutely. Why don't you two stand aside? And it's like, fuck off. No matter what he does. But he is, un- he is unable to lift the rock underneath the big stone thing because it's a magic door. Oh, yeah, true. So Cypher is like, do you know if this is magic? And Trevor's like, I don't fucking know. No. Why would I know about magic? You're the magic user there's, here. There's a trick to open it. My parents never knew. Uh, my parents knew it and they said they'd tell me but they i presume they died before that you really struggled getting that out yep <laughs> um, thanks now i can't fix that <laughs> so uh the the door apparently is covered in old languages yeah so like an enochian i think en- she says yeah. so she uh she does some magic bullshit she does some she does some studio ghibli magic where there's a lot of flight imagery and her hair slowly wafts 
And uh, it all just sort of like moves away and the door is gone. Open sesame. And then uh, Trevor's all like, great, let's go down. And then Alucard's all like, hey, you know that uh, that was an ancient occult language, right? And Trevor's all like, shut up. I didn't know it was a fucking magic door. And Alucard's all like, hey, you know that uh, that last one means of death, right? You know, that's what it means, right? Yeah, of death. Trevor's all like, the magical door of death. You know, it's a magic door of death, huh? The Belmonts had a magic door of death. And Trevor's like... So they walk into another big Dark Souls level, which is like a big <laughs> spiral staircase catacomb. You know there would be one of those big Anor Londo knights just like totally. sitting on the edges there. Yeah, and you'd like sitting on... No, that would be like on the um, the central bridge, but sitting on the edge at the top would be um, one of the onion knights being like, hmm, <laughs> I don't want to get lost in these catacombs. What should I do? You know, it really spirals down, but I can't seem to make my way down all the way. <laughs> oh, I wonder if I should just go home after all this and make a nice cup of tea. I can't remember where I heard it, but my favourite description of um, the experience of playing a Dark Souls game was someone watching it. For the, um, someone was watching their friend play it, and they'd never seen it before. Uh, and they spoke to just some character, uh, and the character said some depressing shit and then was like <laughs> and they were like oh does that mean he's evil and the person playing had to respond like no people just do that <laughs> i mean they really do don't they yeah like the the guy at filing shrine laughs the lady oh no she actually is evil never mind never mind the lady's evil uh what lady the isn't there a lady who you talk to uh who's like the spite the spider lady and she laughs because she's gone insane um, Quaylag's, I have no idea Quay, who you're you know, talking you know, about. You know, Quaylag's sister, the half spider. Oh, the fair lady. Yeah. I didn't think you spoke to her. I thought she. Um, no, she's just blind. You, you spoke to her servitor. No, no, no. So you speak to him. Oh, you need to wear a special ring or something to speak to her. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, what a depressing life I lead. <laughs> it's like. Oh. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You've got to laugh to hide the tears when you're a Dark Souls. God, do you ever? I wish there was a taunt in Dark Souls where you just cried laughing. Actually, there probably is. <laughs> there should be an auditory auditory taunt where you just go... <laughs> <laughs> the most Japanese possible taunt. Yeah. Um, so they walk down and they're expositing about how the Belmonts came to Wallachia from France. Uh because Leon Belmont, the first of the Belmonts in Wallachia, came out because that's where the vampire hunting work was. Mm. And we see a big portrait, big gothic portrait of Leon Belmont. Who is Leon Belmont, Liam? Why, Nick? Leon Belmont is the protagonist of Castlevania Lament of Innocence. God, some of these names. My God. I know, right? So I haven't played this one, but I, as, my, as I understand it, this is like a um, first prequel game. First prequel. Like an Origins game. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, yeah. So it takes place in the um, 11th century. Mm -hmm. uh, Leon's a young knight. Uh, he's got a friend called Matthias Kronkvist, who becomes Dracula over the course of the game. Oh, no! Uh, and his friend Sarah Trantul, who is whisked, whisked away by the vampire Walter Bernard. Oh, no! No! He gets a magical whip and he goes and fights guys and... Uh, you know, sort of founds everything, you know? Oh, he starts the... Does he found the Belmont estate? I mean, you know, he's got parents. Oh. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now, yeah. Oh, interesting. 
So Leon... According to Koji Igarashi's Igarashi's ideal timeline, Leon is the uh, earliest as well as the very first known member of the Belmont clan, making him the ancestor to all of the later known members of the Belmont clan. A real Jonathan Joestar type, if you will. Mm, Really, we should make a podcast about that game. (laughs) Yeah, let's do a Let's Play. Oh man, I wish we could do a Let's Play. Oh, this is interesting. So Sarah was Leon's fiancé, captured by Walter, uh, and was bitten by him. And only by sacrificing herself to be entwined with the sacred whip could Walter then be stricken down by Leon. This was how the vampire killer whip acquired its power. Huh. Weird. Okay, sure. Very weird. Magic bullshit. He was a nobleman, but was forced to renounce his title to go and save Sarah. Aww. He would then later marry an unknown woman and continue his legacy and give birth to future Belmonts. Oh, So, not Sarah then. Just some... Well, she she died and turned into a whip. Oh, yeah, true, she did. <laughs> oh, well, got over oh. her. Now, this is interesting. An early script of um of the film version of the Castlevania adaptation hmm. had a scene where Trevor and his brother Christopher uncovered a mural that told the tale of Leon's struggle against Matthias. Huh. So it was actually about the very first Belmonts, not... No, there was just a mural depicting that. Oh. Man, I'm really good at listening today. <laughs> <laughs> So there'd just be this big old mural there, just hanging up, doing its thing. Hmm. I am assuming, though, that in the timeline, that even though Belmont exists in the Castlevania show, um, uh, in this in this continuity, that Dracula is not a man named Matthias. Well, you know, he's Vlad Dracula Tepesh. Yeah. But he could have been Matthias, or Matthias, or however you pronounce that name. It doesn't matter. It all matters, Liam. This is how the vampires get you. You think to yourself, oh, it doesn't matter. Just just one little prick. It's it's nothing to worry. And then soon you're a familiar. It's all downhill. Soon you're God brand, one little prick. So um, they then go down, open up the last door, and they're inside the library. Ugh. I fucking hate this place. Do you? We stay here for like five episodes, dude. I think it's a really cool setting. I mean, it's a cool setting, yes, but then we stay here. For five episodes! Oh, I think this is a cool place and I think you're mad. <laughs> no! I hate it! I hate it so much! I hate this place. I like it. Ugh. We see, like, um, statues and, like, shelves full of, just, like, bits of creature. Looks like I'm just zooming in on my photo of it now. Mm. I can see um, what looks like another beak of um, the Slogra. Oh, classic. A classic beast uh, for the times. There's a sort of red reptilian uh, foot, some hooves, like a knight's helmet, what looks like a T-Rex skull. <laughs> it's basically just a bestiary slash menagerie. Oh, there's of... a Medusa head there too, one of those iconic Castlevania enemies. Oh. And it's like this beautiful menagerie of just yeah. fucking horrifying things. There's a big skeletal, like, worm. Yes. I don't know if I'd call it That's a... That's a Castlevania enemy. I don't know if I'd call it a worm... Like no, that, I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. Like it's a big, um, like skeleton snake. Yeah, thing. it's like a demon snake, the size of a a building. Yeah, yeah. And they've just got that hanging there, like one would hang a big whale carcass in a museum. Mm. Um. So they they start walking down the stairs. Uh, Alucard is in a bad room, a bad <laughs> mood because this place is dedicated to killing his his kind. Uh, Cipher is all like, "Oh my god, this place is fucking amazing! Look at all Such this knowledge." knowledge. 
It's so and yet being a speaker, I do not care for written knowledge. And yet such knowledge. This is incredible. Perhaps this will change my ways as she strokes her chin slowly in a very evil non-speaker fashion. <laughs> Alucard immediately finds a cabinet full of vampire skulls. Uh, and Cypher's all like, don't you think this place is amazing, Alucard? And he's like, no. I'm not impressed. No, I don't want to go to the bad places. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trevor finds a um, a very poorly hidden chest. And he's like, no. 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 Big treasures here. They wouldn't. And he like breaks down a bookshelf, t- like tugs this he, chest out. Yeah, he's dragging it out, kicking books out of his way. And uh, he like breaks the lock off and then the whole chest starts glowing. And that doesn't really mean anything, but it looks cool. Yeah, I think we were both just like, Okay. I don't know if it is actually a Castlevania game reference where if you find like a new item, then the whole screen would like flash or something. I don't know. But no, it it doesn't matter. The eyes start glowing on the chest. He opens it up and lo, it is an equipment upgrade. It's a sick fucking whip. It is. So it's a chain whip with a sort of like a It's like a mace star head. shaped um what do you even call the the end of a morning star a or a tip. mace? A tip, Liam. It is sure. tipped with a deliciously spiky, Sharp. sort of like a, an inverted sphere, if you will. It's a spiky ball. Yeah. Uh, and Trevor's all like, oh. The morning star. Oh, fuck yes. I'm all about this. Now, I, did, I wasn't sure whether this was something where they created whole cloth for the show or it was a weapon upgrade from the game. So I checked in and it's a weapon upgrade from the game. Yes, it's from Smash Bros as well. Is it? Oh yeah, they all have it in Smash Bros, yeah, don't that's they? That's why when you yeah. when you whip at the right distance, it does more damage because you hit with the big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The Morning Star is usually the highest possible form of the Vampire Killer whip in the video games. Also known by its German name, Morgenstern. Hi, I'm Morgenstern. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, just Belmont and Trevor Belmont can also attach an iron ball or a platinum cube to the tip of the whip to increase its attack power. A platinum cube. Sure. God, if I made enough money one day, I would just buy a platinum cube. To do what? What do you mean Paperweight? to do what? That I would just have a platinum cube, bro. Just imagine it. Just imagine it, Liam. You would just sit there being like, ah, look upon my sweet rad cube. It's more valuable than this entire house. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I'm I I'm just do. seeing if there are any good Pokedex entries for this um for this whip. The Morning Star is sad when you kill a vampire, but it can be made happier <laughs> if it dies while screaming. The vampire killer with an iron ball attached to the whip that greatly increases its attack power. Hmm. The vampire killer with a platinum cube attached to the tip that greatly increases its attack power. Hmm. How interesting. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but yep. <laughs> oh man. So he gets this and we're all like, oh, I can't wait to see Trevor do some good tricks with that whip later on. And spoiler alert, indeed he does. It only takes like three more episodes, but it'll happen. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, so then they uh, they cut to... Uh, let me see if I can remember this. Godbrand and Dracula. Godbrand and Dracula. Yes. And... Uh, hey, Dracula, it's me, Godbrand. I'm here to bother you again. Raise eyebrow. Yes. His problem is like, if we kill all the humans, what are we going to eat? I have made plans for that, all right? We've got blood rationed downstairs. We've got pigs. We've got cows. We've got all sorts of other animals. You'll be fine, all right? So Dracula kind of gets really angry here because Godbrand kind of hits the nail on the head. When he's just like, look, I'll just be honest. I want human blood. I like it. I enjoy it. 
Pig blood gives me the shits. Uh, Just... I reckon you're going to get us all killed by wiping out all the humans. And then Dracula gets really big and really angry and he's like, Little God Brand, you make big noises to make yourself feel important. Little Boat Weevil. Listen here, little shit. What will you... Are you here to question me? Do you want to fight me? And Godbrand's like, no. They get the fuck out of my sight. So he does. He stomps out and then Carmilla's like, how's Dracula doing? And Godbrand's like, oh, he's gone fucking crazy. He won't even drink human blood. Like, what is this? Yeah, he's still really strong and scary, but I reckon he hasn't fed for a while. I reckon he's going to commit suicide and he's going to take us all with him. Carmilla strokes her chin. Well, Godbrand... How about we do a little And then plot? Godbrand keeps walking and he's like, I'm not going to fuck you, Camilla. I'm too angry. And Carmilla immediately goes, you stupid fucking bastard. And she does like an anime shadow step and kicks him down the stairs in maybe the coolest thing that's happened in this show. <laughs> uh, Godbrand immediately is like, what the fuck was that for? As Carmilla just gets on top of him and is all like, all right. Let me tell you my tragic backstory. I came here to escape from old dead men. Because I, I was turned by an old crazy man and then he was crazy. So I killed him in a flashback with like a spiked noose. And then I come here and what do I find? But crazy old dead man. Crazy old Dracula's at it again. Never again, Godbrand. I've got dark ambitions. I'm going to take this bitch for a ride. And then. So anyway, we should attack um, Brelia, right? Yeah, we're going to attack the shit out of Brelia. And then I think the episode just... And that's the end of that episode. Yep, that's it. Boom. That's Castlevania, baby. Oh, man. So, Nick, what did you think of the two-in-one recap? We made it work, I reckon. Yeah, I think there's enough not happening that we... Yeah. <laughs> I just... I'm like, very glad that we can get through it faster because... So, the thing about a slow burn is I really enjoy it watching in the moment, but uh, it, it can contrib- It can detract from from the discussion. Oh, you know? It just takes so long for things to happen. So little happens, but so much of it is like well-nuanced philosophical arguments. Yeah, which does not lend itself to comedy podcasts. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's a lot of stuff that we skipped over that's just like, now why would you do this? Well, I think because of this. Very well. Consider this. Highlights thing. and lowlights from these episodes, Nick? Uh, you know, I really fucking enjoy just Alucard being a fucking dick to Trevor and then yeah. as he gets down the stairs he's still smiling still smiling looks to his left and then just goes oh oh, oh of death oh I get it oh because oh, this is a lovely room of death oh it's, it's vampires my kind uh yep great excellent I'm far less cheery now and it's like that's what you get that's what you get uh yeah but it's just a nice highlight of seeing Alucard's light side then immediately being oh, like yeah. oh yeah okay the implications of working with Trevor Belmont yeah <laughs> It's just, it's a nice little little juxtaposition there. Yeah. Your highlight? Uh, Honourable mention to Dracula um, going going beast mode on Godbrand in his study, Mm. but I've got to give it to Carmilla kicking Godbrand down the stairs. (laughs) It is kind of... Just funny. It's just hilarious. Funny and and sort of the the first indication of like her brutal true nature. Mm. I do enjoy that she's just like, come on, Godbrand, come on, let's, you know, have a nice little chat. And then it's just... Kick back. Fuck it, kick him down the stairs. This is the only way he knows. Yeah, it's good. Low lights. Okay, okay. This this is a there's a lot to pick from here, but my low light is probably gonna be. Uh, hmm. I think my low light is the um the Hector 
flashback in these episodes where he's reviving the dog again. Mm. I feel like that's kind of putting a hat on the hat between the auditory flashback we had previously and the fact that we see him having a um, little dead dog around and the dead animals in the other flashback he had. I feel like it's just a bit... um, It's making the subtext text a bit too much for my liking. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'd probably just have to go with the... uh, Just... Just a very long, drawn-out sequence of getting into the Belmont estate. Really? Not a fan? Well, actually, no. That's actually pretty cool. Let me let me retake that. <laughs> uh, I want to say, not the tree, because the tree was fun. Oh, the tree's brilliant. The tree is a cinematic masterpiece, and I'll not hear a word. Such again. a handsome tree. I want to say it's going to be... So wise. The, the, uh, the constant talk of Argish versus Brailer, and then, <laughs> like, the first bit where Carmilla shows like any resistance to the plans and is trying to convince Hector where it's like is that enough Hector which was nice but then every single time we talk about it it's always just we should attack Brayla shouldn't we and it's like yes let's attack yeah she's not really being as subtle as the show is making her out to be and it's just like let's just do something to progress anything because you keep talking about attacking Brayla or Argesh and nothing is happening you know Camilla, the way you keep turning every conversation towards attacking Brayla makes me think you might have some inv- some vested interest in doing that. Mm, and it's just like, just just attack Argesh and make her angry. And then the next place can be, well, now we should attack Brayla. And then it's like, just, just have something happen that is not just the discussion of the thing that we could do, you know? <laughs> yeah. These vampires, these clowns in Dracula's castle, they just sit around all day talking. We night creatures are the ones out here actually getting the work done. They don't understand <laughs> what it's like to be on the front lines. Us blue, those clowns. Us blue collar night workers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just fucking. They just talk. Mana, make the night great again. Yeah. Wait, that doesn't work. They just talk. They never do. MTNA. And I mean, God. Ah, MTDA. Make Dracula again. Make. Oh, God, I'm really bad at coming up with acronyms. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, but just, I wish. Because even Godbrand gets fucking sick of it later. But, like, yeah. he doesn't get anything done either. And it's just really frustrating, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like nothing really happens to. Godbrand's whole thing is just walking into people's rooms and annoying them. Yeah. It's like nothing happens to change the state that we're in for a very long time. And this is the first instance that I remember being like, ugh, okay, we get it. I, th- I think I think you and I have very different tolerances for this sort of mm. thing because I, I was lapping this stuff up when I watched it first. Uh, it's like, it's fun to watch their interactions, but it's not fun to wait for the things to actually come to fruition, you know? Like, we're probably going to attack Brayla, but are we? Can we get this done a little, you know... A little swifter, please. I got more Castlevania to view. We do indeed have more Castlevania to view next time on JoJo's World. It's going to be a good time. Uh, thank you to Milk Juice, aka Nick Ballantyne, for our new theme music, the love theme of Depressed Dracula. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, uh, I very much enjoyed making it, i.e. ripping off Bloody Tears, but, you know. This and several more available on his SoundCloud. You mean my Bandcamp? Sure. Boom. I don't even know what my SoundCloud's doing anymore. I should really check on that. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Anyway, yeah. Alright, and uh, we'll see you next time for another exciting episode of our Castlevania Let's Play. I think next time we're going to take on some creatures that attack the Belmont family hold, and uh, maybe Carmilla will get up to some more of her signature hijinks. I think it's going to be a few more episodes before anything happens. <laughs> and until next time, to be continued. Oh, quick shout out to. um. 
quick shout out to the second season of uh, the uh, What We Do in the Shadows American TV series, uh, spin-off slash remake of the the New Zealand, hit movie. New Zealand film. Uh, season two's out. Very funny. Uh, in many ways, uh, Godbrand reminds me of a character from that. <laughs> okay. I may need to check this out now. In his in his vampire stupidity and arrogance. Oh, excellent. In, in many more ways, the um, vampire scenes from the, this uh, show are like a, like a less comedic version of every scene in that show. <laughs> it's like you're watching it going, there's a genocide that's going to happen. Oh, but it would be funnier like, if they were jokes. Just like, these vampires are fucking idiots. <laughs> oh, good times. All right. All right. Cool. To, to be, be continued. continued. But enough talk. How about you?